0: Well, over the last several months, we have reformatted our Sunday morning. And, uh, here, just over these next couple of weeks, we're gonna, gonna go back to our, our older format. Um, not sort of saying that we're going to, uh, permanently go back to this, but, uh, I am going to be teaching a, a series this morning that aligns with what our uh, students in our Sunday school classes are also uh learning over these next couple of weeks and uh the subject that we are going into is one that i believe every one of us has to deal with this from time to time and oftentimes or meant for many of us It's not just from time to time, but it is a a regular occasion where we have to learn to let go of some things. There are things that can happen in our life that it's it's not so easy to let go. But scripture teaches us about the power of forgiveness. And that's that's what we're going to be talking about is the power of forgiveness and learning to let go. There's a, there's healing when we can let go. There's healing that can take place when we truly learn to forgive. There really is power in forgiveness. There really is power in, uh, in what we learn from scripture and we see from the testimony of Jesus and the life of Jesus, how he forgave others. And then he gives us a very hard command. I've kind of, i um, getting ahead of myself a little with some of this, but he gives us a hard command, which is that we are to forgive others as he forgave us. I say it's a hard command because he forgave us of everything. It doesn't matter what we did. It doesn't matter how bad we were. It doesn't matter what we've done. You've been forgiven and his, his forgiveness has been extended to us. And he has... Instructed us to forgive others in the same manner that he has forgiven us. But there's power in that. There's power in forgiveness. And I want to I go in to the very early stages of Jesus' ministry. In the book of Mark, chapter 1, this morning, is where we're going to begin. Book of Mark, chapter 1. And we see Jesus' ministry really just beginning to take off here in his His ministry, Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 14. We see here Jesus in Galilee. It says, after John was put into prison, this is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the forerunner of Jesus Christ and his ministry, the one who was setting the stage for all of this to happen. He had been in prison and now Jesus came into Galilee and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, who were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. So straight straightway, they forsook their nets. They followed him, and when they had gone just a little further hence, they... Saul, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And they also were in the ship mending their nets, and straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship and hired servants, and they went after him. Now, these five individuals, James and John, Peter and Andrew and Jesus, they went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue, and he began to teach The people who were there, the people who were gathered as Jesus is teaching them and instructing them on that day, it says that they were astonished at his doctrine. They were blown away at what Jesus was telling them about the kingdom of God. That was the doctrine that Jesus was was preaching. It told told us that uh, in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom. He's telling them about the kingdom of God and how God is... Beginning to do a new work, how God is going to bring in and usher in a new a new thing that's going to take place, and so here they were, they astonished at his doctrine, for he had taught them as one that had authority, and not just as one of the scribes. He was not one that had the religious upbringing uh, as as the scribes did, but yet he was teaching them with such authority that came from God, and so. They were astonished at this. Verse 23. There was in the synagogue this man. Who had an unclean spirit. And he cried out. And he was saying. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee. Thou Jesus of Nazareth. Art thou come to destroy us. I know thee who thou art. The holy one of God. And now I just want to. Try to bring this to today. If right now. We're gathered here. I'm teaching. If right now we had some individual who came in, you might not be shocked at a visitor coming in and and taking part in our service here today, but you might be shocked if all of a sudden he starts speaking and it's not the voice of a human that's coming out. It's not just the voice of of some man that's that's speaking, but, but rather it's a demon And the voice of this demon begins to project from this man who would walk into our midst here this morning. It might get a little bit of our attention here today. It's not to say that we don't have authority over that. It's not to say that we should all scatter and flee because some demon has entered into our midst, but it would be shocking. Now it it seems as though that was, that was not uh, something that they did not deal with in that time, we see uh, on on several occasions in scripture that there were demon possessed individuals, and that it, it seems as though this was. If you even go outside of the biblical literature of that day, that there was uh, a lot of of ways that the Jew, the Jewish priests, and the, the leaders of of the Jewish people that that they had with dealing on, on how they would deal with. Demon possessed people, they had all these certain prayers that they would pray, different things that they would do. They would, they would go and they would try to cast out these demons from individuals and, and they had uh, all of these, the, these ways that they would call on God to do it. But on this day, the demon possessed man came right into the place where they were gathered and Jesus is teaching them and he begins to speak out and he says, what have we to do with thee? And that crowd, I'm sure, was left, uh, looking at Jesus saying, what is he gonna do now? The doctrine of the, the kingdom, this doctrine that he's been teaching, it's, it's like caught our attention. It is, it is, has us so focused in on what does he have to say to us today? What's he gonna teach us today? But now, they all wanna know, okay, now let's see if he is real. He sounds like he's real, but now let's see if this man is real. And, and, and I've seen somebody like this before and, and I, I want to see what does, what is Jesus going to do? And, and Jesus then speaks up in verse 25 and it says that he rebuked him and he said, hold that peace and come out of him. Just those few words. Hold that peace and come out of him. He didn't pray. The ritual prayer of the of the Jewish leaders. He, he didn't go through all of the motions that, that all these others would do. Whenever they were dealing with some demon possessed individual. They, he didn't go through all of that. He simply said hold thy peace. And come out of him. He spoke as one who had authority. And it says that when the unclean spirit had torn him. And he cried with a loud voice. He came out of him. And all those who were gathered there that day, it says that they were amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And then immediately his fame began to spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Continuing on, we see Jesus' ministry Go further. It says that forthwith when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and with James and John and Simon's wife's mother was sick of a fever and, and non, they they tell him of her and he came and he took her by the hand and he lifted her up and immediately that fever left her and she ministered unto them. And that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. So just get the picture. So Jesus has just cast out this, this, this demon from this individual in the synagogue. He leaves the, leaves the place. He goes into a house and there's a sick person laying there, Simon's mother-in-law, and he prays for her and she is healed of her sickness. And now all of a sudden that word gets out and it says that all of the people began to bring from all over the city. Every diseased person to Jesus, everybody who was possessed with devils to Jesus, they brought all of them. And verse 33 says that all the city were gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases. And he cast out many devils, suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. What a day. What a day for Jesus. He's come and he's cast out this devil from this man in the church. He's gone and he's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He He's had everybody in the city. They've all brought their sick. They've all brought their disease to Jesus. And he's simply prayed for them and they've been healed. they brought... All of these demon-possessed individuals to Jesus, and he casts the demons out. What a day of victory for the city. What a day for them to be able to see the power of God being demonstrated right there in their midst. It continues on. I'll just read a few more verses. It says that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, and he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon... And that they were with him, they followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogue throughout all of Galilee, and he cast out the devils. So Jesus' miracle ministry was one that was kicked off there in Capernaum, in this city. And it was all of these people, all of those who were diseased, all of those who were sick, all of those who were demon-possessed, brought to Jesus and they were healed, except there was one paralytic man. There was one man who, he missed his chance. He missed his opportunity. He was in the city when Jesus cast out the devil in the temple. He was in the city when Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. He was in the city when they all of the diseased people were brought to Jesus and Jesus healed them all. He was in the city when all the demon-possessed individuals were brought to Jesus and he cast out the demons. And here he was in his home. He was, par- he was paralyzed and he did not receive his healing that day. He was this man who, when Jesus, when he found out that all this was taking place, I'm sure that he was wishing that his friends would have come and re, and brought him to Jesus. But he had no way himself; he couldn't walk to Jesus. He had no way of getting there. Uh, but as the word is getting out, uh, you know, he's he's hoping maybe I can get to him tomorrow. But Jesus leaves that next day, and he goes to the next city. He goes to the next place, and he begins to minister in the same manner. In one town after another, and so here it is. Jesus, uh, Jesus had come through, but this man had missed his chance. But I want to say, I thank God that just because we missed a chance one time doesn't mean that that our chance uh, for healing is done. I'm thankful that just because. Jesus uh, seems as though everybody else was healed, and everybody else got their deliverance. Everybody else got their healing. That and, and I didn't get it for myself. That it doesn't mean that my opportunity isn't coming. It doesn't mean that my uh, that Jesus isn't going to show back up, and He's going to come, and and that I'm going to have another chance for healing someday. And so we see this this man who is there, and and he's not mentioned in that text, but we'll get to him in just a minute. There was a man who was there who did not receive his healing that day. That day when Jesus did all the healings, he missed his opportunity. He didn't get his healing that day. And so, we see Jesus had gone out and he was ministering all, all these different cities, but one day this young man, he gets a uh, he gets a, another knock at his door and his friends begin to excitedly tell him, "Jesus has come back in town. Jesus Is here that, that Jesus, the one that we were telling you about that healed everybody in the city. He is back in town. In fact, he's preaching over at, at this person's house today. And so on our way here, we happen to see that when we, that the crowds were already making their way to Jesus. And I, I know that he hasn't healed anybody yet today. But maybe, maybe there's an opportunity that you could still get your healing. Maybe there's an opportunity that you could still be healed today. And so we, we go into the second chapter of Mark. And it says that, again, Jesus entered into Capernaum. And after some days, it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. no not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him in the press. So here, this is the one that I'm talking about, the individual, the man who had been in the city when all the healings took place, when the People have been set free from their bondage, and and here he is. His friends excitedly go and get him, and they bring him to the house where Jesus is ministering. And they get there, and there's no way for them to get through the crowd. There's no way for them to get where Jesus is at, is teaching at inside the house. So, what do you do when your friend needs a healing, but Jesus isn't? In, we can't get to him. We can't press through the crowd. There's there's too many people around. And what do you do? Well, his friends said we've got to do whatever we can to get our friends to Jesus. So they get up on the roof of the house. We know the, we know the story today, or um, many of us know this story today. That they get up on the roof of the house. Let's just let's just read it. Continue on. It says they could not come down. Uh, verse five. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick, uh, I'm sorry, no, verse 4, when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They get up on top of the house. They begin to tear off the roof. They begin to lower their friend down and, and get him right to the feet of Jesus. They get him to the miracle worker. They get him to the one who is able to do all things. They've already seen the miraculous happen when Jesus just speaks a word. They've already seen the miraculous happen when Jesus just lays a hand on them and they are healed and and so they said we need to get our friend to Jesus and when they do that they they do whatever by whatever means possible and they get their friend to Jesus they lower him down to where Jesus is at and now uh, just imagine their uh, their shock when the words that come out of Jesus's mouth are not the words that they expect They've done all this work because their friend's paralyzed. They've done all this work because their friend needs a healing. They've done all this work because their friend, he missed his opportunity the last time that Jesus was in town. But now when they let him down at the feet of Jesus, Jesus looks at their friend and he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven My sins be forgiven me. Well, Jesus, we didn't bring you or we didn't bring our friend to you for his sins to be forgiven. We brought him to you so that his body could be healed. We didn't bring him so that you could look at him and just simply say, you know, that's uh the, the sins that you have in your life, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're cast aside. They're, they're forgiven. We wanted, we did all this work. We we carried him through the streets. We carried him up onto the rooftop. Look at our fingers. They, they, we've been tearing apart that roof. So that we can lower him down to you. We've been doing everything that we can. Because our friend needs a healing. And here you are saying. "My sins be forgiven. Now. Jesus is. Trying to teach us a lesson here about forgiveness. He was teaching the people who were there, who were gathered with him that day, a lesson about forgiveness. And that's that what happens here in this life, what happens here on on earth, it's just temporary. Our body, our physical ailments, everything that we go through, this, this man's sickness, this man's uh, palsy that he had, the paralysis that he had in his body. It may look like it is, you know, a, a death sentence or a, you know, for the rest of his life, this is something that he's going to be dealing with, but it's still, this is for the rest of his life. There is eternal life beyond that. Anything that we deal with, here today and of our own selves. It's, it's just temporary. It doesn't even matter if it is, if it is something that it's going to bring us to our deathbed. It's still just temporary compared to the eternal. Anything that, that we're dealing with, this young man who was brought to Jesus and he was lowered down, what he was dealing with that day was a temporary situation. They may look at him and say, yeah, but he has no hope. He has no, what kind of a life is this for him to be paralyzed? We, we want to bring him to you so that you can heal his body, but, but, but you extended beyond what was the temporary and you began to minister to the eternal. And Jesus began, Jesus looked at him and he said, I forgive your sins today. Your sins have been forgiven. Now, never had anyone expressed with such Determination and faith as these men did to get their friend to Jesus. They 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 did everything of their own power to get them to get him to Jesus. But now now Jesus, he looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. This goes to what Jesus says later on in his ministry in Mark chapter eight, verse thirty six. He says in Mark 8, 36, it says, For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his own soul? <laughs> what, what good is it if you have everything in this life, but your soul is lost? What good is it? This man's soul was priceless to God. So what Jesus was doing, with, doing that day is he was dealing with the greatest need first. He was forgiving his sins in response to his faith. This man, this young man, had faith that Jesus could heal him. This young man's friends had faith that Jesus could heal him. But Jesus first was dealing with the greater need, which was his sin. Jesus was dealing with the greater need that that he was dealing with, which was to be able to forgive that which no one could forgive. And this is what Caused an issue with those Pharisees and the scribes who were who were there that day. They they look at Jesus and they say, "Who are you to forgive this man's sins? No one could forgive sin, can forgive sins except for God." Actually, it says that this is just thoughts that were going on in their mind. But Jesus read their mind. he knew exactly what they were thinking, and he began to say to them and call them out and say. I know that there's only one that can forgive sins. And I know what you're thinking here today. But which is harder? Is it harder to forgive sins? Or is it harder to heal a body? And for them, that day, they could say, there is no proof that just because you say his sins are forgiven, that they're forgiven. But if you could prove it, With saying, be healed, and he's healed, then, this is, this is going back to geometry class and proofs, okay? If A equals B, I see some heads shaking and people like, ah, this is, okay? If A equals B, and B equals C, okay, then A equals C. I think that's how that works, that proof, okay? Right? Something like that. You have, if Jesus can, if Jesus can heal his body, and you can see this paralyzed man rise up from his bed, and you can see him begin to walk, then the first thing that Jesus said, and he spoke that with authority, now, then that must also be true. The healing proved the forgiveness. The healing proved the identity of Jesus Christ as one who was able to forgive the sins. And so, Jesus, he, he asked the question, he says, which is harder? Is it harder for me to forgive sins, or is it harder for me to heal this young man? And so, when they, there is no response to that question, he simply looks at the young man, and he says, rise up and walk. He says, thy sins be forgiven thee, uh, or arise, he says, but uh, arise and take up thy bed. It's verse 11. Rise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. And immediately he arose and he took up the bed. And he went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed. They glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Here he is. He backs up who he was. He backs up that there is somebody that can speak with authority. And this young man would get up. There is somebody who, when he spoke with authority, his sins were forgiven. There is somebody who is able to deal with the eternal things, the eternal things that we are dealing with. And that is that, first of all, before we receive any healing, I need my soul saved. I need forgiveness inside. I need to know that there is somebody who has authority to forgive me of my sins. And that's, that's what we want to deal with this morning, this morning is that there is somebody who has the authority to forgive. There is somebody today who has authority to forgive you. There is somebody today who has the authority to, to say, no matter what you've done in your past, you're forgiven. No matter how bad you are, no matter what you've done, you have been forgiven. Jesus is, 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 doing this he's going through this um he's speaking about the sins and then following it up with the healing to prove the point that he has the authority to forgive sins that he has the authority to forgive when when somebody else may step into that situation and try to just say that they don't have the authority to forgive where jesus does that's why i backed it up with the healing it's the same kind of questions that the, that the disciples had when Jesus is out on the boat. Rather, they're out on the boat and Jesus is, uh, right, they're all out on the boat and the, the storm comes. And and Jesus is asleep in the boat. The storm comes their way and, uh, and they're all afraid that they're going to die. And Jesus wakes up and he just begins to speak to the winds and the waves and, and he says, peace be still. And what do his disciples say? What kind of man is this that he has the authority to even just speak to the winds, to speak to the nature, and it obeys him? What kind of man are we dealing with? Who is Jesus? Who is he that he would have the authority to speak and it obeys? Who is Jesus? And this here today I I know it gets to the, the root of the doctrine of who is Jesus Christ. And this is something that we have to have cemented in our minds this morning. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is He? He is the Son of the Living God. He is God robed in flesh. Now what they were questioning, and this is the whole reason that they crucified Jesus, is they didn't, is that the Pharisees and the, the Jewish leaders of that day didn't know who Jesus was. They thought it was blasphemy that He would speak as if He were God. They thought it was blasphemy that He would do things, that it was, uh, it was in the place of God, and that's because they didn't understand that Jesus Christ was God robed in flesh. When he began to speak to them about his identity he would say things such as me and my father we are one that you you hear of of of, of me and and who I am and you saw me some of you 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 see me uh you know from a early boy was raised up and 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 you've seen me grow in my stature it may uh, it may have grown and my my knowledge may have grown just of this life but but me and my father we are one and we come and and I come to, from you I come from above I don't come from here on earth I come from above He began to speak to them about who he was he, he says statements like before Abraham was I am he was trying to get them to understand who he really was when he asked the question to his disciples uh, later in his ministry of who do you th- who do people say that i am who who are people thinking that that I am today and and they'd seen my ministry and they began to give all these uh all these examples of you know things that they had heard you know some people are saying that you're Elijah some people are saying that you're you have the spirit of John the Baptist that's on you some of some people are saying. Uh, you you know, this and that. And, and then he says, well, I, I don't care what other people have to say. Who do you say that I am? Who is it that you say that I am? And Peter, he stood up and he said, Thou art the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the one that came from above. You are the one that is Jesus. You are Jesus, the Christ. The one that is from above. He, he understood who Jesus was. He understood that he had the authority that came from the fact that he was God robed in flesh. And so through that understanding of the identity of Jesus, through that understanding that it was not some subordinated or some subdivided part of God. He was not just some portion of God or some demigod or some uh some aspect of God. No, he was all of God robed in flesh. This was not just some man who had the spirit of God on him. This was a man, he was fully man, but he was fully God. And with that authority, it's uh that that he, that he was able to look at people and just like this young man here, who almost missed his miracle, but on that day, Jesus looked at him and he says, "My sins are forgiven." And that was finalized when Jesus went to the cross. The authority to forgive sins, our opportunity to have our sins forgiven today, because Jesus isn't walking the earth anymore. Jesus isn't going to walk into this place in a physical form and come to you and speak to you and say, Thy sins are forgiven. But he already did that. He already did it when he took those steps up to Calvary and he walked up to Calvary and he put himself on the cross. or He was hung on the cross and, and he died for our sins. That's when Jesus said, I'm going to make this a finished case. And he hung his head and he says, It is finished. When he said it is finished, what he was saying was what I came to accomplish has been accomplished. What I came to accomplish here on earth was the fact that there is a lost and dying world. And there are people who they are so broken. There are people who are so lost and they need a savior. They need their sins forgiven. They need a sacrifice that could forgive their sins. And that's what Jesus was saying when he said it is finished he's saying i am that sacrifice it is finished your sins are forgiven today and he died that day and he became our sacrifice and he gave through the power of forgiveness the authority he had the authority to forgive because he was god he was the perfect lamb that would be sacrificed for our sins and he became that uh, with with that authority he, he began to extend to us today the forgiveness that we can have for our sins. It was, it was Paul, who was uh, perhaps one of the the first, rather I maybe should say Saul of Tarsus. It's perhaps one of the first that uh, really tested the lengths to which the forgiveness, the authority to forgive sins, extended. You look at Saul of Tarsus, and, and you know, who was this man? He was the man who he went from town to town, casting people in prison, uh, Christian, you know, just for believing in Jesus Christ. He was going and he was persecuting them. He was doing all kinds of things to uh, to to just wreak havoc on the church. He was there when when Stephen was murdered, when Stephen became the first martyr uh, for Christianity. He was he was there when, when people were uh, were going, they were being put to death. He, Paul was a, a terrible terrible man. And yet Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And with the, pow- the same power to forgive sins that he extended to that young paralytic man who was there at his feet when he was here on earth. Jesus from heaven began to speak to Saul and he says, why are you persecuting me? He began to deal with, with Saul and he revealed himself to Saul of who he was and he began to, to teach him about his own, uh, his own identity and, and who he was. And, and Jesus began to, to minister to Saul and to, to say that your sins also are forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. And Paul, he would label himself later on. He'd say, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm a terrible, I was a terrible man. I had an awful background. My, my past is, is horrible. And Jesus had the authority to forgive me of my sins. Jesus had the authority to forgive me of my past. My past has been erased. My sins are gone. Forgiveness Is here today. And that is the power of forgiveness. Is that it is as far as the east is from the west. My sins have been forgiven that much. That when my sins were forgiven. That when your sins were forgiven today. That when when Saul of Tarsus. This murderer. This man who was going. And his whole agenda was to wreak havoc on the church. When his sins were forgiven. They were completely forgiven. God erased them from the book of life. He erased his mind of any kind of sins that we have. That is the authority that Jesus Christ spoke with when he says that thy sins are forgiven and that's the same authority that he speaks with in your life today. As we wrap this up, I want to bring this into your life because you today, you today have some things from your past that are still, that, that can still haunt you. Things from your past that you allow to just, just, just linger in your mind of feeling as if you are not enough. Feeling as if you're never going to be an overcomer. Feeling as if these things are, are always going to be there and, and, and if we can just truly understand the power of forgiveness, and this is the power of, of forgiveness that He has towards you, that He has the authority to forgive you of every sin. He has the authority to to erase your past and every mistake that you've had. He has the authority to forgive completely your sins. And we today also have the authority to hold on to them if we desire. But that's not what God wants. When he forgives you of your sins, would you just give give them to him? Would you release them to him? He has the authority today. He's the one that went to the cross for you. He's the one that took, his, took your sins and he nailed them to the cross. He made a spectacle of them, it says in Corinthians. That he made a spectacle of them and he mocked all the things that the enemy would try to do to keep you bound up. He says, I've overcome all of that. my child here today you're forgiven my mercy my grace has been extended to you And when you go to the waters of baptism or when you come to a place of repentance that's all that it takes on our part on our ends to come to Him in obedience and say, God, I want my sins to be forgiven. And you go to the waters of baptism. And it says that when you are baptized, that everything in your past, it is erased. That everything in your past, it's been forgiven. And all He will wash away all of your sins. He will wash away all of your sins. Your past has been erased and you come out a new creation. And you say, maybe today, well, I've been baptized, but but I still have some things that I'm holding on to. Let's find a place of repentance. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And let me tell you, there is power in repentance. Because when you repent, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. He has the authority to forgive you today. I think so often here this morning, this is what I'm trying to drive at, is that... We feel like we are not worthy. Or we feel like he doesn't really forgive us. Or he doesn't really have the ability to completely erase our past. But That's who he is. That's what he's done. He has the authority to forgive you today. And even for yourself, you have the authority that's extended towards you to forgive somebody else of what they've done. You have the authority today to to either hold on to it or to forgive. You have the authority. You have the authority today to extend forgiveness just as He has forgiven us. You have the authority today to forgive somebody else of the way that they crossed you or the way that they hurt you in your past. And you have the authority today to release it. Release it back to God. Let's bring let's bring some things to Jesus today and just say, God, God, my past, and I don't, I don't I don't want it to hinder me. I don't want it to hold me back any longer, God. But I need you, and I need you. Amen. Could we stand as, as we have our Sunday school classes that are beginning to enter back in? Join us in here this morning. I want to go into this this song if we can and as we do so if you want to just lift up a hand and say God forgive me God and now as long as you've forgiven me God God I want to accept that God and I want to walk in that forgiveness and I don't want to hold on to the things God that I've been forgiven of the things that are in the past God that they may be hindering me even today but you've already forgiven me God you've already erased my past God you've already forgotten that and here I am I keep bringing it back up God I keep bringing it back in